0: What's up? Welcome to an awfully wonderful time. This is your favorite heartless speaking, and the door has opened to Kingdom Hearts. Welcome to my weekly Kingdom Hearts retrospective show, where we revisit the good, the odd, and the supreme darkness of the Kingdom Hearts series. Now come, open your heart. (laughs) Ah, That never gets old. I mean, it's only a couple, couple episodes in, but every time it gets fun. More and more fun, I should say. Alright, so an update on my little What If uh, Kingdom Hearts Edition inspired by the wonderful Disney Plus uh, Marvel show also titled What If. I've been loving the crap out of that show. Uh, The last one that debuted was the zombie one. That was wild. They just keep outdoing themselves every episode. So, yeah, that pretty much inspired this little What If series I have with... uh, some Kingdom Hearts art, but last time we got a, uh, let's see, last time we ventured actually into what if Soar's mom was a summons gem? I designed what she looked like and it was well received. So especially in the Discord servers, a uh, special shout out to the Squall and the, well, the Cloudy McDoom squ- server, a.k.a. the Squall, and the Ansem Reports for all the love. Thank you guys for that. Uh, And the next episode, we will explore her story a little bit more since we tend to do uh, one retrospective episode and then we branch off into a Kingdom Hearts themed episode in general. Um, I also have a what if where what if the Kingdom Key D had more of a consequential, consequential what? (laughs) That's not a word. Or is it? English is weird, so I wouldn't be surprised. But what I meant to say was a consequential nature to it and mickey has to bear that whatever he has to bear that i should say whenever he uses it the darkness because i always figured it's the key, key d you find it in the realm of darkness so why wouldn't it have darkness or give the user dark powers and maybe you would ha- you would have to have a certain level of darkness to be able to wield it right at least that was my thought process since you know keyblades can choose their wielder to a degree um but yeah, that's that's kind of an old idea I've had for a while, but I'm kind of revisiting it uh, upon this whole what if thing. So I guess besides that, there's the other one where what if Sora lost to Ansem, but that can kind of fall into the same line. Uh, so if you guys have any other ideas for any cool what ifs I can draw, uh, do be sure to let me know. The art is also on my uh, Instagram page, I dot. I Escape so, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think what else we could do with this. So, nah, I think that's it, that's all I could really think of. All right, so let's continue where the retrospective last left off. Where it was actually leaving off with Sora, where he found himself in another world for the very first time, that world being driver's town one of my favorite original kingdom hearts uh worlds and might i say ah the music Mwah. the warm ember colored lanterns with the occasional green ones and actually i think there's a couple other ones too um but those are the ones that caught my attention there's a lot of different lights especially neon colors with the signs the the very vibrant and very unique signs um Stuff from that ranging from the differences of each district, uh from the Gizmo Sham, the oddly shaped post box, visiting the Dalmatians, to even the Lady in the Tramp Fountain that's in the third district. There's just so much to love about this world, especially when it's expanded upon in uh in a uh 3D in Dreedom Distance. Bleh, excuse me. Um, I always would jump on the rooftops where I could look out into the distance and just wishing that I could see and explore more just to see what kind of place this is during the daytime and at night because you never really see Traverse Town during the day but maybe it's just always in the nighttime I mean like if it was a real well I shouldn't say if it was a real town it is real in Kingdom Hearts um I guess that's it yeah the world is like always in Always at, always at night. But that's not really a bad thing. It kind of adds to the the nice warmness, the iconicness of Traverse Town. So, uh, we finally get to explore this place now. After our little run-in with that strange yellow dog that can't talk for some reason. And we get to talk to people such as uh, a Moogle that's uh, walking around, uh, which is a Final Fantasy character, and a staple for the item shops. And we find out that there is actually... How many are in Kingdom Hearts 1? There's the one that's walking about. There's another one that's standing outside of the Synthesis Shop before it actually opens up. And, hmm. So, roughly about three. Three or four. Because when when the Synthesis Shop opens up, there's like three in there, I think. And then there's always the one that's walking around. Because I'd imagine the one that stands outside the shop and eventually goes in. Or I could be thinking of that wrong but it's interesting because that's like the most moogles we really ever see in the series like because after that we usually just see them manning the shops so i thought that was kind of cool um let's see what else do we got here so there is a strangely familiar looking kid resembling titus you can talk to who mentions like things how he misses home um he has, he has dead eyes though i mean that's kind of the weird Kingdom Hearts Syndrome, when whenever they don't animate their characters fully anymore, they kind of just open their mouths anime style, but their eyes, like, their whole face looks flat, and they, they all just have these dead eyes, it's so weird. Especially when they have that, and then they go back to their fully animated phase, it's like, whoa, what just happened? So, you guys, you guys blew your budget, essentially, <laughs> or we're trying not to blow your budget. <laughs> I always thought that was pretty funny. Kind of takes you out of the moment sometimes, though um but yeah it's really weird he looks just like Titus 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 I'm gonna say Titus um and there's this lady over by these candlelit tables and she I'm pretty sure is the same lady that is in the manga uh she is a lot more warming and her welcome to Sora almost comically like it kind of seems like she has some uh intentions with him but then a heartless comes from behind her and just like in that famous mortal combat line finisher and instead of that random pedestrian we see later on we see her as the first to lose her heart to the heartless a good old clawed hand through the chest and it was just that, that took a turn could took quite a turn but if you try to head to the second district next after, you know, talking to these people in the game. So will actually stop saying there's got to be more to check out first with the camera panning to the accessory shop. So I always liked seeing these small little pieces of the dialogue or little cut scenes that some people may not ever get to experience. I thought that's some stuff like that's really cool. I'll try to bring them up as I remember them here. But I wish I could keep... Referencing things here from the manga, but it's tough enough keeping notes from the game. (laughs) So, however, when we do get to the manga portion of this podcast, uh, I'll be prepared to talk about the game differences there. And I got to say. There's like, I think maybe one or two more references I can think of. I loved Sid's introduction in the manga. So. Sora is being followed by the Heartless and instead just busts out the shop with this flamethrower or just some cannon and blasts them all away. and just saying that they're all bad for business, you know, just yelling it like with this crazy anime face on and it's just oh man, I can't tell you how many scenes like this that are in the manga that I wish were in the game, oh man, I would have loved seeing that but instead of that scene uh, Sora just casually walks in and instead we get a You know, oh, a paying customer. Oh, wait, that's just a kid. You know, the customer service mode deactivated. Those who worked in customer service, you know what I mean. (laughs) You know, most of us even have a different voice. And I'm pretty sure that happened with Sid just now. Oh, a paying customer. Hello. Oh, that's just a kid. (laughs) You know, so since Sid has that kind of country voice that we've discovered, like in Kingdom Hearts 2, he... Because we don't really, he doesn't. He has a he has a decent amount of lines in Kingdom Hearts One, but he doesn't like have any voice acting roles at all. Even with Leon and Yuffie, and then they have a few scenes here, and then nothing else until like at the end, at the end of Hollow Bastion. So it's interesting. I, I kind of wonder how long it took them like Leon and them to voice their lines or the voice actors I mean but anyway yeah strange enough Sid does not have a voice at all in this game um but of course like I said he does in later ones and (laughs) for some reason all I can think of I wonder if his customer service voice is like uh what's his name Doug Dimidome like I don't know Mr. Demidon, I don't know why I'm saying Mr. Demidon, but I, Mr. Demidon, just rolls off the tongue very well, but his voice just sounds like that to me. I can just hear, I just can't unhear that voice with Sid's face now, like, I'm Sid Demidon, like, I just, I can't unhear that, I just, I wonder if there's a, a video clip of someone with Sid and Doug Demidon, that seems a little specific, but I would love to see that, <laughs> And I'm sorry, said. but I gotta roast you. Shout out to Burlizzi. Are you wearing a girdle, my guy? you trying to look buff, and uh, I can't commit to this roast. All I say <laughs> to me is it feels like he's hiding a massive beer belly underneath. I mean, you can tell he works out to some degree. Look at those arms and chest. But those beers, my mind's telling me no. But my body, right? I mean, I just, I don't know. It's just that girdle. I mean, I know it's not a girdle, but it just looks like a girdle, like a an outerwear girdle. <laughs> I, it's, I forget what those things are actually called, what he's actually wearing, but that's all I can think of. It's just like a man girdle. But... Yeah, so they talk, uh, Cid is a tad confused during his confo with Sora, which leads me to believe he must be dealing with a hangover from those beers. Oh my no. Wait, what if he's getting some specialty beers from the Moogles, like in their synthesis shop? <laughs> like some Mithril Ale, maybe? Or, um, some Gummy Ship Lagers? Wait, eh, that doesn't make sense, but I'm okay with it. I mean, this is Kingdom Hearts after all. What... Anything could happen at this point. But honestly, if I was a bartender and I wanted to make some Hearts themed drinks. Actually, I still kind of want to do that. Bartender or not. Dude, I, yes. A Mithril Ale. Well, actually, I don't know how to make ale or lagers. I might substitute them with just regular uh, vodka or something. And just like color it so it matches. But yeah. Uh, hey, Mithril Ale and Gummy Ship Lagers. I mean, Gummy Ship Lager just sounds awesome but anyway uh now all I can think of is is Sid after a long day at work just taking off his girdle and the and the gut just burst right out of his shirt <laughs> oh that's that's awful okay I like, <laughs> like <laughs> wait 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 could you imagine like an end credit scene at the end of Kingdom Hearts after the secret movie <laughs> we just see Sid going home after the long day he sits on his couch rips off the girdle and then Leon or someone comes in like I knew it (laughs) oh oh, that'd be great I don't know why I I thought about it It just made me think of like the Ant-Man and credit scene where it's like the ant playing the drums uh you know just just a random in credit scene that you just would not expect and (laughs) that's I would love to see Sid in that situation Uh, Alright, so um, Sora asks, he actually asks if this is another world, and for some reason Sid goes, not sure what you're talking about, but this sure ain't your island. Really, Sid? You're from another world too, bruh. But uh, I guess based off of what Traverse Town really is, it's more of a a place for people to go who have lost the world. If you ask around, people kind of have that same... I believe the lady actually talks to you about that and tells you officially that this is kind of a refugee world. Like, people just automatically end up here. And um, I guess that makes sense, too, when you think about how the god I almost said godfather. <laughs> how the... Um, it could be one reason why maybe the grandmother, the the great, uh, the great... Fairy godmother, there we go. How she ended up with um the what is it? Oh no no no, that that gem was given to us by uh, Leon. So okay, never mind that. But it, it would make sense if you found it at Traverse Town, but you know because of the way the gems work, and they just happen to end up in Traverse Town because he's still alive to some degree. Um, yeah, that sounded a lot cooler in my head. Yeah, well. Because for a second, I was like, wait, oh yeah, she... I started to think about it. She doesn't give you any gems. You find them all throughout your adventure, then return them to her so she can, you know, kind of bond them to you so you can summon them when uh, whenever you want. So what else do we got here? Um, yeah, so I'm guessing with Sid, this type of thing doesn't really phase him anymore. So why would he bring up that, oh yeah, I'm from another place too. You know, it's like, that's just another day, another kid. So, but I think it would have been... Interesting, seeing a Maleficent, Radiant Garden takeover scene, and him with his buddies ending up here and finding their way. Uh, shame we didn't get to see anything like that on BBS. I know back when that first was um, coming out, people were excited because we were thinking about, oh man, we're going to see that, maybe as just an end scene or something. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Like It just would have been really interesting to see. Or at least... An end credit scene where Maleficent actually goes to um, Radiant Garden, but eh, well, maybe someday when, because there's still some interesting things that need to play out based off of what happened in uh, the end of Unchained Key, and to tie that in with what's been happening with um, like Ventus and Lurium and whatnot, and the worlds they ended up in, so I think we will get. We might get something like that eventually. Because we do have to explain, too, how, like, Lurian became a nobody and Heartless. Uh, same with, uh, Mar... Mm. What is original originally? Larkseen Al- Alrena. Yeah, just, I feel like we probably could find more about how they became that, but I don't remember what world they all ended up in. Because I'm pretty sure one of them ended up in Radiant Garden, but I can't remember for sure. Ah, well, I have to watch the ending in and see. But here I do like how Sid does say, if you ever run into trouble, come back here. I'll look out for you. It's just a shame we never got him and a few select others as party members in the game. Wink, wink. Especially after playing uh, Final Fantasy VII. So it's like, oh man, I need more of these guys now. But I haven't really talked about collectibles much before um, regarding like a chest that's available in this room talking to Sid. Uh, I may bring up some really cool ones, but this isn't a really, this, ooh, excuse me. I keep, my body's like, dude, burp. And I'm like, no. So this isn't really a walkthrough. It's a retrospective. So unless I, you know, think something's worth really talking about, I'll bring it up. But so finally, we're able to explore deeper into Traverse Town and we find a scared man running for his life. Who is unsettling, unsettlingly quiet as he does, like he he stumbles with his body fading away, only for his heart remaining that floats over with an odd armored heartless that takes it only to vanish again. Come to think of it, he's the only victim we see in this game, an innocent victim, who loses their heart to the heartless. Well, excluding Sora, because, I mean, he didn't lose his to the heartless, but, you know, he, he did lose his heart for a bit. But um, yeah, it's like we I mean, we see other quote unquote deaths in this game, but most aren't where they lose their heart nor innocent. Um, so, But Sora rushes out to the crime scene and all I can think of for some reason is him drawing a chalk outline of a guy before the that crowd of Heartless tries to ambush him. I have no idea why, but the thought of it makes me laugh. Like he just draws the outline and tries to get it perfected so it could be used as evidence to the cops. But you know he tries to draw it, and as we as we've seen his drawing skills at the secret spot, it'd be pretty crude to say the least. But (laughs) yeah, just like he's like, I need I need to have evidence for the cops. And They need to do something. I don't know what's going on. I'm freaked out, you know. He's a kid. Why wouldn't he, like, try to contact the cops after seeing a, a dude just got bodied? But, um, by the way, are there any cops at all in this town? What's up with that? It's so weird. Like, I, I just, I, I literally just thought about this as I was putting together the outline for this episode. But, uh, I, I guess a certain gun, sword, wielding guy counts as that, you know. But come to think of it too, there probably were cops at some point, but the Heartless might have got them all. Because I'd imagine the Heartless have been kind of plaguing this town for a while, but I'm sure the attacks didn't get as bad until Sora came to town with his keyblade in hand. But I just keep thinking of interesting scenarios that could be played out regarding this now. So imagine there were cops, but they were in trouble around the town and we had to go help them. You know, they, they're able to kind of handle themselves, but, you know, they're they're kind of outnumbered, like they got separated. So I think that'd be actually interesting. If we go help these cops, they become temporary squad members as we find them all. And all the while, we see Donald and Goofy like a step behind us, same as Leon. Uh, we just don't know about Leon. We just, you know, see those same scenes where Donald and Goofy are like, oh, where's Leon? Where's this key? What the we got to keep looking? You know, that, that, that scene. So I think that'd be really interesting. Maybe, I don't know, maybe just maybe just two cops and then the others um, just retreat since you can only have like max two people in your party in this game. I think that would have been really cool to have these uh, random cops that are just really wanting to, you know, save everybody. Maybe just like four cops, you know, have two in your squad, you know, they're just generic and then um, you go save two more and that's it. Just a little mini thing, I think, would have been kind of cool, but uh, or it could be expanded on further. But that's just something I thought of randomly. That might be another little "what if" I can do. Draw some Traverse Town cops. How would they even look? I don't know, because Traverse Town is a little bit steampunk, kind of, real, kind of. So I don't know. But yeah, I guess I guess that's it. I don't know. But uh, going back to this part where we're running around Traverse Town um, now being run, now being chased by these heartless we don't know they're heartless yet but uh, Sora does point out these are the same creatures obviously from the island Um, I remember being so lost at this part in the game as a kid I don't remember why exactly but I just couldn't seem to progress in the time I played so I remember when I went to school the next day I asked a buddy of mine to help me out uh, to, you know, just to ask, just to tell me, like, what to do? What do I have to do with this part? He literally wrote a whole page of what to do. So it involved going through the hotel, the gizmo shop. Uh, He mentioned all the scenes, going to the Dalmatian, just, just making my rounds through every entrance and exit <laughs> in the second district. And, yeah, and just... It's just funny, see, like, looking back at it, just seeing how lost, Goofy, and Donna were just as I was. But, um, you know, they're looking for Leon and me. They just don't know it yet. I mean, they know they're looking for Leon. They just don't know I'm going to be... Or Sora's going to be the one holding the Keyblade. But it is a nice little combo of scenes that is actually missable. Um, I do love how they talk to each other each time as they explore the place. Literally a room behind you. But all you have to do, actually... Is right after you get attacked by those heartless. If you think back to what Sid said, if you run into trouble, come see me. Just go back. That's what I thought of when I first found out that this was, uh, that all those scenes were missable. I thought back to Sid, went right to his shop, uh, then I just walked out and then cutscene. And actually, I remember reading about it in in a walkthrough, like I think maybe that same week. It was recent, but anyway. Honestly, for the content, I always go through those areas just to see good old Don and Goofy bumble about. But then, as the cutscene plays, you hear, they'll come at you out of nowhere. And they'll keep coming at you. As long as you continue to wield the Keyblade. But why? Why would it choose a kid like you? We see Leon judging this poor little kid Without getting to know his story, tries to scare him into giving away the keyblade by saying how the Heartless will keep coming. But then forcibly trying to get the keyblade from him when Sora tells him, there's no way you're getting this. My guy, Leon, Mr. FF8 himself, slow your roll, buddy. From Sora's perspective, this little silver key thingy is the only thing that's keeping him alive, dude. For all he knows, you're going to take it and dip like Zoidberg from Futurama. Literally, curly impression and all. Because if you remember, Sora was not able to damage any of the Heartless at all with his wooden sword. And as we find out... Oh no, no, I was going to say as we find out later on he still has it. Technically he doesn't. It's Riku who gives Sora the wooden sword. He loses his sword somehow. Or maybe he took it home and just didn't bring it to the island. Oh no, 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 he did bring it to the island. That's what we had to... So he just lost it somewhere between getting the Keyblade and Traverse down, I guess. Yeah. Well, either way, he realizes he can't damage them with a wooden sword, and then we find out you can at Hollow Bastion. It's a little plot hole. Nah, doesn't matter. But yeah, anyway, he realizes the Keyblade is much more effective either way. So I just find it, as an adult, I just find it hilarious that this guy just jumps into a fight with a minor without talking to him about, you know, the basic things. Who are you? How did you get that keyblade? You know, conversation 101. But hey, I don't mind smacking him around a bit for some extra XP and a reward for beating him later on. So this boss battle can go south really fast depending on your level and difficulty, but it's not bad, honestly. Uh this was one of those battles that scared me as a kid, to be honest. It's fun though. I mean I still have fun to this day, even when I lose. But uh you can tell he's taking it easy on you, especially um when you fight him later on again. But this one is it's one of those few battles in Cage where the game progresses, whether you win or lose. I think there's only about what, three I think three, three or four boss fights you can progress. And, uh, yeah, cause, let's see, let's see, let's see. It's this one, it's the Sabor fight in Tarzan's world, and then Cloud. I believe those are the only battles you can win or lose, and the game still progresses. They're alternate scenes. Uh, I might be missing one, but I'm pretty sure those are the only ones. But yeah, those are some of the few, um... Not that I can think of in the KH series that prog- uh, progresses whether you win or lose. And um, I think there's only one other, actually. Uh, I don't know if this really counts, though, because um, they're both so different. With uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, if you whether you win or lose with Yazora. But I guess we'll find out later which ending is actually canon. But I guess then again... The same could be said for the other um, fights. It all just whatever, whatever's canon, just depends on your personal playthrough. So there you go. Unless Mister Namura says otherwise. But um, it is interesting that Leon here never charges you. Unlike the next time you fight him, he'll he shoot fire blasts at you, hop around, and do the occasional strike with some combos, and that's it. Um, it they do pack a punch though. Don't don't take them lightly. Um, A lot of playthroughs I've seen on YouTube, a lot of people don't actually beat him. And I'm talking people who've played the game a couple times. I've seen people who've, you know, playing it for the first time, especially with the HD uh, remasters, but eh. Um, So if you do beat him, Leon falls to one knee while Sora is failing at composing a sentence before he collapses himself. Whereas if you lose, Sora just falls speechless you know he's just out his body quits um but if you do when uh yuffie appears and says how leon is slipping and leon goes on to say eh, i went on i went easy on him Are you sure about that buddy are you sure about that yeah yeah you did go easy on us i'm sure um because he didn't even he didn't even whip out his super saiyan version of his sword so that, that tells you something there but anyway oh his poor ego but if you win, um, oh, no, 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 but if Leon wins, I mean, uh, she says, hey, you found it. Nice going, Leon. And Then Leon says, it looks like things are worse than we thought. A lot worse. So, it then cuts to Riku, uh, waking up at Hollow Bastion. He calls out to Sora and Kairi, but hears and sees nothing from them. He sat and probably thinking the worst could have happened, like maybe he was the only survivor. I guess if you remember, he he, he said Kyrie was coming with us, but did he really know where she was? I doubt it. And last thing he saw was Sora was him reaching for Sora, and you know he clearly saw he was struggling, and then he wakes up here. Yeah, that's not good. Not a good look. So the scene ends with a glimpse of Maleficent in the distance, seeing her new visitor this is a scene that was actually added in the Final Mix version too, which is why there's no voice acting in it. That's something OGs will remember before the HD remasters. The original Final Mix scenes, or excuse me, the original Final Mix new scenes, at least for the English versions, did not have the voice actors reprise their roles from them. Now, um, like, if I remember correctly, Kingdom Hearts 1, they never went back in the final mix versions. Not even in the HD remaster Did they go back and fix that. But. For the Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, remaster for 2.5. They did bring the voice actors back. To voice act. The new final, final mix. Uh, scenes. Which was very much appreciative. And honestly more professional. Because it's like. Dang you guys are going to really have these empty cutscene that's kind of whack but yeah but if you play the original final mix on the PlayStation 2 they're not gonna have that so you got to play the PS3 PS4 versions to hear all the glorious voice acting and after this scene it does cut to Donald and Goofy in the back alleys Goofy comments how spooky it is back here while Donald acts all bravado saying ah fooey I'm not scared only to promptly jumped on a Goofy from, uh, <laughs> jump on top of Goofy. I mean, from being tapped on the shoulder by the one, the only Aerith. Or, is it Aeris? I'm only just now recently getting into the Final Fantasy seven games, so I don't remember. I have the original on my Switch, and I have the remake on the PS4, but my backlog is ridiculous. <sighs> um... So anyway, we'll we'll go back to that in a minute cuz I have it in my notes, I just don't remember where exactly in my notes. We'll we'll address it here whether it's Aerith or Aeris and I'm sure you uh listeners are like, "You idiot, it's this one." <laughs> but anyway, uh she asks if the king had sent them, which means the king has had some history with the uh, FF7 gang, which I guess I shouldn't say FF7 cuz is FF8, but Aerith and Yuffie are 7, just like Cloud. Well, I'll just say FF Gang, because it's simpler that way anyway. Um, plus, it's a mixture of Final Fantasy ga- uh, characters in this game, like it usually is. So, yeah. uh, Which makes sense, how they know so much about the craziness going on amongst the worlds that they, um, with the connections they have with uh, the king, having knowing each other to some degree, and also because of their history with Ansem and uh, Maleficent, but we'll get into that later on. So, they all regroup at the hotel. Sora has a small dream of Kairi. Um, he expresses how he's happy that she's okay. Only to find out it was actually Yuffie talking to him about why the Heartless are attacking him. Because of the Keyblade. To be fair, Yuffie in this game does look a lot like Kairi. And she promptly goes on to say how Leon probably overdid it. I mean, if she's if he's thinking... If he's thinking um, that's Kyrie instead of Yuffie at first, this dude probably is going through a concussion. No bueno. Um, so here we do get some explanation about the Heartless. What they really are and how they have great fear of the Keyblade. And that's how they're actually tracking down Soar. How they're able to really focus on where he is. And Leon continues his judgy nature of why a kid was chosen by the Keyblade. Oh, buddy, if only you knew how many kids wielded keyblades back in the day (laughs) and what this kid is going to do with his. He's going to make your (laughs) eat. I can't say it. He's going to make you eat your words and they're going to taste delicious. They're going to be well seasoned, well cooked. Have fun. All right. So one cool part about this scene is how Leon swings the keyblade himself before it transports to Sora's hand. And it makes me think... Is Gion... Uh, Gion? Who's Gion? Is Leon jealous that he isn't a wielder himself? I mean, it kind of makes sense because lore-wise, the reason he changes his name from Squall to Leon is because he believes he was too weak to prevent his world from being lost to the darkness. And becoming Leon meant a new era for him, a stronger one. And if I remember correctly... That backstory is revealed in either Jiminy's Journal or perhaps it was a Tetsuya Nomura interview. I don't remember one of those two. Um, I I want to believe it's in G- uh, Jiminy's Journal. But then again, why would he know? Because Leon wouldn't really... I'm sure Leon wouldn't tell that. But it's obvious that he's going... It's obvious he changed his name because his actual name is Squall. People, especially um ff8 fans talk about that all the time and as you can tell in the game yuffie continuously calls him squall to his uh disliking always correcting her saying hey it's leon which is kind of funny because if you you figure they must have grown up together and she's used to calling him squall and to him he'll always, or to her he'll always be squall so it's kind of it's kind of nice it's it's good it's cool uh, character development. So Sora is a little annoyed about this belittling and goes, why don't you start making sense? What's going on here? It jumps to Aerith uh, talking to Donna and Goofy. And between Sora, Yuffie, and Leon, um, they all talk about um, these things from how there are other worlds out there. Basically, everything... Um, actually... Hold up. My notes are not. I have a typo here. I have a really bad typo here. <laughs> what is this? Basically, every start represents one. What is that? I don't know what I was. I don't know what I was writing there. What the? So basically, autocorrect must have messed up a word. It must have thought I was selling, spelling something else. <sighs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I meant to say that. Um, she was saying that, I think it was Aerith who said, the world used to be one, but then when the heartless came, they changed everything for the worse. And then the worlds broke apart. I think that's what she said. But anyway, um, Leon goes to say that the heartless are attracted to the darkness in people's hearts. And there's darkness within every heart. Or I think it's actually Yuffie who says the darkness... That they're attracted to and then Leon goes to add that there's darkness in every heart. Adding in that extra spook factor how nobody's safe. And concluding it with how Ansem had his own studies about all this. But the pages were scattered among the worlds unfortunately with the whole Maleficent takeover. So we got ourselves a little treasure hunt to do. Looking for those Ansem reports, 101 Dalmatians, uh, a few other goodies too that we'll get into later. Goofy expresses how they should find these reports, only for Donald to literally pull the camera down to him saying, First, we need the key. Sora in typical chosen one fashion goes, Well, I didn't ask for this. Realizing the major responsibility thrusted upon him, but Yuffie goes, The keyblade chooses its master and it chose you. This type of lore gets uh, complicated, I would say, in future installments as far as Keyblades go. But for right now, it's a chosen one cliche without it being annoying, fortunately. So after this, uh, Sora accepts this, and fortunately, never leads to those overplay cliches that make my eyes glaze, o- glaze over. That usually happens, uh, for the most part. You know, um, I don't necessarily like how later. In the series, it seems like nothing can ever get done without Sora. Protagonists or not, but mm, that's a discussion for another time. It's great that Sora pretty much accepts that, okay, I have have this keyblade now. It's keeping me alive, so whatever I need to do to keep it in my possession and save people, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Um, Sora thinks back to how this craziness started, even asking that, and then he remembers how his home was gone, and Riku and Kairi were, well, probably nowhere fun either. He's hurting, he's really sad, you can hear it. And then Leon, good old Leon goes on to say, You know what? I really don't know. But to me, it sounds like he's saying, I really don't care, you have the Keyblade and that's all I care about. Especially the way the voice actor says it, because I, I, as much as I like the actor himself, He sounds bored as he's doing a lot of these voice voice lines. Like some of the lines are like, "Okay, that was cool. And I get that sometimes the director is directing him to sound like that. And I I get it. You know, Leon's kind of a brooding character. Um, He's been through a lot like everyone else, but he's taken it more, you know, dark. So. I don't know. It's like he just. Well, how did he say? He's like, you know what? I really don't know. Like, he kind (laughs) of, it's like, why you got to say it like that, man? You know what? No, I don't want to know if that's all you got to say to me, Leon, you bum. I just love the aesthetic, though, going back to something positive. I just love the aesthetic of every piece of Traverse Town. Uh, So much detail and the little knickknacks, even in this room, like the clock above Leon. The, you know, the same clock I want to knock on his head for being such a jerk. Uh, (laughs) Just throw it right on top of his head. As the cuckoo uh, pops out like Looney Tunes style. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, I know there is a little Easter egg there that happens if you hit the clock. I don't remember what it does, though. I think it gives you an item or something. But uh, Talking to Leon, he goes on to say that sooner or later, the heartless will find you. To prepare for yourself. To prepare yourself. I mean, excuse me. To prepare yourself for the fight for his life. I'm messing up here. Like, some... Some of the lines I'm actually voice acting, other ones I'm narrating. It's because I forgot to put in quotations um, some of these lines, but whatever. Um, swore proclaims he's ready. And as Leon tells Yuffie, it's time to join Aerith and uh, her company. And actually, this was the point where I actually confirmed from watching the playback videos that it's Aerith. Because I wanted to play the game myself during um, this, but since i am doing that with Mass Effect, I realize it is so tiring taking notes of the game, pausing, taking notes, pausing, when you just want to play, you know, so I'm just gonna do that for Mass Effect, and for Kingdom Hearts, I'm mainly just watching, um, the Ansem Reports podcast, the spaghetti, the Super Spaghetti Bros, um, playthrough on YouTube, I'm just watching that and taking notes, so shout out to them, um, so yeah, after, um let's see what What did I, oh yeah so this is when I officially confirmed it was Aerith because that's when he actually that's when they call her by name uh Leon I mean after this after they're ready to reunite with each other they are rudely interrupted by some heartless who didn't knock just rudely appear right in the middle of the room so Yuffie goes to warn the others and by warn the others I mean slam the door open <laughs> with Donald behind it while Leon and Sora ready themselves Ooh, excuse me. Uh, Leon yells, "Sora, let's go!" Such a dope frame here, by the way. Leon in front with his sword drawn, and Sora in his iconic battle pose right behind him. I'm just like, bruh, we needed this. I know we got it in Kingdom Hearts too, but we needed a scene like this, and one where we're both fighting by side by side. Ah, uh, missed opportunity, man. So the intruding Heartless is launched out the window leaving me to think Leon didn't use his sword but maybe like drop kicked the little dude out because typically these guys especially in cutscenes they're one hit kills and they poof right after but this guy he's launched out of the window and off screen like the whole frame he's off like you don't see him fading or nothing so what else could have been you know well maybe a roundhouse kick or something but i don't know i'm biased drop kicking a heartless sounds too awesome <laughs> <laughs> literally, like, legit, we need that as a finisher, or even a counter, I, I just, uh, just shut up and take my money, I need, I need a drop kick finisher, or counter in the next game, <laughs> or even just, like, seeing another character do it, I would love to see Goofy do it with his huge feet, sheesh, like, his feet are bigger than his head, that's ridiculous, all right, so, it's kind of funny, like, like remember when I was saying Yuffie was, you know, told to... Well, technically, Leon just said, Yuffie, go. He, he She wasn't really told to warn people, but, you know, we, we like to think in good conscience. She would try to, you know, warn the others. But what did she do? Like I said, she slams the door open, Donald right behind it. He's bodied. Yuffie just runs out, not even talking, <laughs> warning Aerith. And Aerith leads to, it it resorts to Aerith actually calling out to Yuffie following close behind her (laughs) but I guess it's safe to say (laughs) it's safe to say if you see your buddy barging in and runs you you better run with them and ask questions later (laughs) I think it's safe to say in this experience, Yuffie you get a pass even though I'm pretty sure you were just out out for yourself in that moment (laughs) Uh, and I do love the They did bring some Disney stars to voice these people to like Christy Carlson Romano, especially after like around the same time, even Stevens was out. So it's like she was at the height height of her career Um, as far as Disney goes. I don't know what she's doing now, but anyway, Um, Goofy stays behind to see Donald comically flattened against the wall, like like strictly Looney Tunes, Roger Rabbit style, just flattened. I wish we had more moments like this in the series. Kind of surprised Goofy didn't take his shield and like scraped on it off the wall and and followed them post haste. But I'm sure they probably did try that, but they were already long gone. But I wonder what, what Yuffie and uh, Aerith were thinking, like once they realized Donna and Goofy weren't with them anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, I hope they're OK. <laughs> oh, boy. So heading out and down into the alleyway, Leon tells Sora to not bother with the small fry and that the big and that the boss man must be somewhere close by. You're probably gonna hear me say this a lot, but Leon being in your—I mean, you already have heard this a lot—but Leon being in our party would have been a really nice choice, even if just because of the Keyblade to you know ensure it isn't lost to the heartless. Um. I think that would have been actually really cool just having him as a support player every time we go to Traverse Town like we can switch him out with Daughter and Goofy which would make sense you know going because I'd imagine Leon would go make his rounds go on patrol to make sure that the town is safe so imagine if you could like maybe talk to Leon and just go hey ready for another patrol and you just you add him to your party and just go through Traverse Town and level up and stuff that would be really cool maybe you can even unlock certain things if you go on certain uh, a certain amount of patrols and stuff with them. Ah, oh, that'd be so cool. Uh, there's something else I think I want to mention too about him, uh, but we'll get to that as I go further down my um as I go down my notes here. So here we finally get a chance to actually fight the new heartless variant, the soldier. We saw the soldier uh, first when it took out the um, the first ever. Victim that we saw, that Sora saw. Then it, there was another one that rudely appeared in the hotel. Because so now we get to find a bunch of these guys, and they're they're fun to find. They're one of the most fun um, heartless to fight, uh, just because of the way they move. They're so sporadic and stuff. And I usually do take out a few before I make my way to the third district, because um, if you're not careful, there there is like I think six of them around there, and the way they do fight, you can get bodied pretty fast. <laughs> Unless you level it up a lot, but either way. So while Sora makes his way through, we uh, cut to Donald and Goofy, running into some more Heartless at level above us. Gosh, are these the Heartless guys? Goofy questions, hiding behind his shield. And I can understand the strategy behind having such a small shield, but Goofy... Dude, you're, you're like 6'5 or some crap. You you should at least have a medium-sized shield, like a Captain America-sized shield. And, and it's a nice middleman-type shield, but whatever. I mean, we'll fix that later on once you're on, on the squad. And then we got Donald all hyped up that goes, let's go get him, Goofy! off for them to get launched from some type of explosion crashing on top of Sora. And let's be honest, I'm sure it was the Heartless that did that. But, um, for some reason, I always feel like, what if Donald caused that explosion? Like, what if he just used a spell a bit too powerful in his eagerness, and that's why they got launched like that? You know, just too much, uh, boom in the stick. But, I don't know, that that just sounds more like Donald, especially out in the field, first time. Well, actually, not, not, wait. Is this their first time, like, off-world? Besides, like, Disney Castle and, uh. The Mysterious Tower? Because we find out they were in the Mysterious Tower in BBS, but I'm wondering I'm sure they were off world other times besides this. Or I don't know. Maybe Kingdom Hearts 1 was their first venture to this amount of many worlds. I'm I'm sure. I don't know. But um Oh, I guess there was Toontown too, but Toontown Wait, is it Toontown? Shoot, what is that world called in um because what it is there's disney castle and then the town that's outside of disney castle is that yeah i don't think it's Toontown though i could be, ah i don't know i'm ah i'm drawing blanks on it but yeah because uh so like yeah i was gonna say that i thought that was another word at first but that's the same world as a uh, disney castle I yeah, well it doesn't really matter i guess Alright, so did anyone notice this uh, next part? I'm I'm pretty sure this is a thing actually. But when both Donald and Goofy see the Keyblade, I'm pretty sure Donald says the key, as the subtitles say. But I could have s I could swore that Goofy sounds like he's saying a key. Like he acknowledges it as such, but isn't certain it's the key they are looking for. Like he's just that he's just that dense in that moment like oh it's it's a key it's a big metal key but i don't know maybe maybe i'm just hearing things who knows let me know if you guys hear goofy saying a key i feel like i swear that's that's what he's saying but anyway in typical boss fashion that we'll see throughout the series the surrounding area is closed off by typically an invisible wall but this time we have the literal tile tile rising up into towers as this rather intimidating large strangely patriotic colored knight heartless drops down and uh in in the final mix version it's been a tradition to reskin the heartless with different color schemes to kind of coincide with their up difficulty and here i think this is one of the few where i honestly prefer the original purple coloring that it did it was basically a mixture of uh, purples from lights to darks um this patriotic one still looks cool but I don't know uh, another thing I would like to mention is if this was ever to be remade like Kingdom Hearts 1 and I I'd, I, w- I wouldn't um, I wouldn't be against it honestly but I'm sure we're far from it since we just get, since we just got the remasters um, not just on the 3 but on the 4 then, then uh, on the PC this year and to top it off, they had to uh, remake Kingdom Hearts 1 because the, the what was it, the, the file? The original file that they had for it got corrupt or something. So I'm pretty sure they don't want to touch Kingdom Hearts 1 again anytime soon. But I'd imagine maybe like 10 years from now, they'll be like, hey, guess what you want for that PlayStation 6? <laughs> How about Kingdom Hearts 1 Remake? You never know, especially when there's a big milestone coming up, maybe for, because what's it going to be, the 25th? No, the 20th anniversary is uh, this year. So maybe, I don't know, maybe the 25th or the 30th anniversary. I would say probably the 30th anniversary they would do like a KH remake, but you never know. I I don't think it's out of question, honestly. But anyway, um, if they were to do that in like a modern engine, um, probably similar to what we have with KH3. Um, but I'm sure it'll advance as time goes. Like by the time this, uh, by the time the PS6 comes out, I'm sure Kingdom Hearts will be a lot different than three. But you never know. It may still, once they find their their niche, they'll be they'll probably stick to it. But then again, KH is always changing, so you never know. They they always like to try out new things, so that's always refreshing. Even when the main titled ones kind of stay within a certain format. So either way. Um, so I would love to see Leon and Yuffie join us uh, in this fight, if they were able to remake it, because it would make, um, it would make sense for reasons I brought up earlier. Uh, Leon wanting to stick close to the Keyblade to ensure it's safe, and ever since 3, we now have, we can now have a party of up to 5 people, so it would be perfect to have at least, uh, Leon and Yuffie join us. I know Aerith is, um... I mean, she's more of a support role, but I know she can throw down too. But, dude, just yes. I would love them to be in the party. But um, I always found it being a wasted opportunity, Leon and Yuffie. I mean, shoot, like I said, even Aerith. Um, It, it kind of sucks that they're mainly just exposition in this game. Uh, imagine them as squaddies to some degree here, and actually even in Hollow Bastion. It would have been amazing having them Hollow Bastion especially you know wanting to come home and and free it from the tyranny that is maleficent. And but don't get me wrong, having beast and Hollow Bastion is something I could never replace though. It's just too good. But it would have been really interesting if Leon decided to accompany Sora in the gang on their adventure like as a mentor. That would have been awesome and you know uh Leon fans, especially well you know, especially those who went who played FF8 would have been like, "Dude, yes." shut up and take my money like imagine seeing that in the commercials and you see like Leon in there then you see Cloud it's like ah, just a a complete fan explosion but at the same time I get why Leon uh, stays behind you know they already lost one world losing Traverse Town wouldn't be good and who knows for all we know while we were out doing our thing they probably easily prevented the Heartless from taking over Traverse Town because who else is there to defend it no one that we know of. But I I think it would have been really cool if they ever did that. And especially realizing how important this adventure is, I think they would take the chance of losing Traverse Town over, you know, losing everything. Um But I don't know. I think that would have been really cool. But I, I get why they didn't do that because they also wanted to focus mainly on Sora, Donna, and Goofy and just have the Final Fantasy characters kind of just as uh, support. So it's all right. But yeah, I hope you guys like that idea. I think that'd be really cool having um, Leon as a mentor. That'd be really cool. But seeing Donald, and I mean, plus seeing Soradona and Goofy working together to take down the guard armor, I'm sure that was proof enough for him that they'd be fine together, honestly. So this boss did give me some trouble as a kid, especially not typically having Scan yet. I mean... Sheesh, I always hated how that was an ability that not, you know, not something that was default, but yeah, uh, from the spinning arms, the stomping feet, just the chaotic nature of this boss. This was why I always stocked up on potions from the Riku fight and and later playthroughs once I found out this was a thing. Um, by the way, for those who don't know, if you mess with the AI settings with Dono and Goofy. They can actually come in clutch with the healing, especially Donald. There is a setting, I forgot what it was, but there was a setting where I had it where uh, Donald would heal me um, a lot. He would still have plenty of MP and stuff because I would make sure I I build his character correctly so he always had plenty of MP circulating. And then I always had it where Goofy whenever he could. He would replenish my MP. Um, I'm trying to think how that worked. I think if he... I I can't remember what how, what that how that move worked but I think if he gave me if he I think if he sacrificed like 1 MP or something he would give me all of mine or maybe he would switch out his MP for my MP or something like that and uh yeah we were just a powerhouse you know just a support boss it was so great I wish I could remember what ability that he, that he that he gets later on, but there's one I, I don't think it I don't think it happens again after this game, but there's literally a move where he can like give his MP to you, and I was just like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> but yeah, the people who complain about Donald not able to heal you, yes, that setting should come default honestly because if you don't, he kind of does uh, not heal you a lot. Um, I mean, he he can, but usually it's already at a point where you have to heal yourself. You can't really take the risk. So, yeah. Um, but anyway. Of course, uh, you can't really mess with those settings until after this battle. But yeah, I mean, it's still a really cool design choice that the um, with the boss that the limbs act on their own. Almost like it's an armor set simply possessed by the darkness. Um, and here we have it. After this boss fight, we have... Actually, no. Excuse me, I said that wrong. We have the first iconic team up that starts the dynamic trio. From here on out, while bosses were still intimidating, as a kid I felt all the more powerful with Donna and Goofy by my side, and still do, in every game that followed. My friends are my power, after all, right, Sora? So systematic, um, systematically. Excuse me, taking out the arms first. At least I typically do. Uh, then the feet, then the body. I love how it feels like he's freaking out at this point and is just spinning around like his arms did. <laughs> it's just just this torso just spinning around like a Beyblade. But um, then that final strike. Boom. He's gone. The armor trembles with his head falling into the torso. And you hear that large clunk. And then its body fades away with the once captive heart within, freed and departs. Whenever encountering a heartless like this, I always wonder what type of person created a heartless like this. Since typically the stronger a person is, is reflected upon their heartless and nobody. Better yet, could you imagine running into these people later on with the memory of it? Usually people have memory of being a nobody, right? So, wouldn't it be interesting if they could remember their time as a heartless? That would be... That would definitely be some PTSD. I mean, both would, but I think I think more so a heartless. But anyway, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> hey, so remember me? I was that crazy set of armor you bodied. I don't know, but that'd be kind of funny. Um, Or like if these people set out to find you and thank you for freeing them, that'd be a kind of a cool thing. Or maybe one of them joins you at one point because they're like, yeah, and I, I want to help people from not experiencing this. I don't know. Well, Sora finds out Donald and Goofy were looking for him. Well, the key more so. But I've never really thought about it until recently, but Sora, Donald and Goofy don't really become true friends until what happens at Hollow Bastion. I mean, during this conversation, I mean, well, let me rephrase that. So I don't really think they become true friends until Hollow Bastion. Through their adventure up until the point they're definitely friends, but they're not like close at this point you know they just met each other they're obviously it's like two worlds in and they already have an argument that causes them not to speak to each other so and donald at least really petty stuff but after that you know they definitely you know they apologize and become closer for sure uh goofy's kind of just always there he never really has issues with anybody <laughs> to be honest which is kind of funny but yeah i think I think they're definitely friends there, but I don't think they're actual true friends. Like, I'll give my life for you type friend until Hall Bastion. So, but yeah, during this conversation, Donald makes it clear (laughs) he really doesn't care about finding Sora's friends. You know, it's only that they need him to come with him or they need him to come with them so they can find Mickey since the king is now or excuse me, since the key is now in their possession. Uh, Goofy goes on to say, why don't you come with us? We can go to other worlds in our vessel. But Donald, this quack. Yeah, what does he say when Sora wonders if by going with them would he find his friends? Of course. No hesitation. Goofy then leans in towards Donald asking, are are you sure? Who knows, Donald says. But we need him to come with us to help us find the king. I, I get it. But man, Donald, I mean... I get it, but that type of sugar coating is going to give Sora diabetes, man. Oh my gosh. But anyway, Leon goes on to actually encourage Sora to go with them, especially if he wants him to find his friends. And Leon, I I haven't forgotten you a few minutes ago shooting fireballs and swinging your sword at me without so much as a hello. So, um yeah, so much as a hello or who are you? I kind of think you're still a bum in my eyes right now, from Sora's perspective. So, with Sora's enthusiasm barely being contained, I mean, can you hear my sarcasm here? Barely being contained. Donald says, but you can't come along looking like that, understand? No frowning, no sad face, okay? Okay. Sora then takes the opportunity to push out the most awkward yet iconic smile of the series that leads to Donald and Goofy cracking up. And I gotta admit, Donald requesting this of Sora was definitely a nice little piece of dialogue. To me it shows that even though all he sees of Sora is just the Keyblade, it shows he has a bit of care in him at this point. But I do love in the manga too how the Gummi ship literally, and and I do mean literally does run on happy faces. And as funny as that is, that is a horrible fuel source. But that does sound like something Disney, you know. It does sound like a a thing that would um, actually be possible in the Disney world. So, yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, I think they crashed the ship at one point in the manga because they couldn't keep smiling. I think, or was it Sora's face was just stuck in a smile at one point? I don't remember, but it was something along those lines. <laughs> so then Sora makes up his mind and, and decides to go with these two anthropomorphic creatures that are hilariously never addressed. I mean, Sora talks to them as if he almost knew he would encounter people like them. A talking do- a dog and a in a six six foot five dog. Uh, wait, did I say that right? It's like a three foot, three, four foot uh, duck, talking duck. Wearing clothes and a six foot five dog also wearing clothes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too much into it, but I just think it's just funny. It's never, in- it's never, no one ever talks about it, regardless of what world you go to. <laughs> but I did talk about this in a previous episode, why that may be a thing. So, anyway, uh, they introduce themselves and put their hands together as Goofy proclaims, All for one and one for all. And with that, The three of their lives alongside countless others would never be the same for the better. Love the keyhole transition that closed on their hands. It's just such great symbolism that's behind that, too. Like they have locked in their friendship all thanks to the Keyblade being a a part of Sora's life. And now, meanwhile, the Legion of Doom... We hear a number of familiar evil voices converse over this victory Sora, Donald, and Goofy had over the Heartless. They converse in this very dark, very dark room. That little squirt took down that Heartless. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Such is the power of the Keyblade. The child's strength is not his own. Why don't we turn him to a Heartless? <laughs> that'll settle things quick enough and the brat's friends are the king's lackeys swoggle me eyes they're all bilge rats by the look of them man reading those I wish I'd practiced those lines ahead of time I kind of just read them instead of actually voice acting them, but I I wanted to, I wanted to say them on the podcast, and I kind of regret doing that now, because I didn't really try voice acting them, ah, well, uh, I didn't warm myself up, that's embarrassing, well, anyway, those lines are still fun, and I still, so I'm glad I said them at least, but anyway, uh, And the dialogue continues a little bit longer. Uh, But these lines in particular are so good. I had to include them on the podcast here. But notice one key thing about these. They are all underestimating our three heroes. That was their first mistake. And a constant mistake the bad guys always seem to have. But they all converse in the dark, continuing around this table but uh disney fans can you know they, they can easily point out every single one by one with their voice alone and their silhouettes i mean it's it's not really too hard to see them especially in the remasters in the original version it was a little harder to tell who who was who like visually but it wasn't really that hard um but yeah Disney did an amazing job at getting most of the Disney actors to reprise their roles. And for those who didn't, they got good replacements. I don't care what you say about um Genie. I forgot his name, but the guy who plays Genie in the animated series and this uh, in the Kingdom series. Yeah, you can hear Homer in his voice, but dude, he does a killer Robin Williams impression. And who's to say uh Homer's voice may not be inspired by Robert Williams a little bit. You never know. But anyway, not not entirely, but I'm saying I like a part of Homer's voice. Um, so anyway, Maleficent settles them down, saying, enough. The Keyblade has chosen him. Will it be he who conquers the darkness? Or will the darkness swallow him? Either way, he could be quite useful. She's the only one who doesn't seem to underestimate them. Mainly Sora, uh, well, I guess mainly Sora and her dialogue. Although I'm sure she she is certain she would win in such a scenario, but ooh, only time will tell. So, now back with the gang with Leon, Yuffie, and Aerith saying their goodbyes as Sora, Donna, and Goofy are soon to depart on their adventure. Leon says, make sure you're prepared for the journey ahead of you. We don't know how far the heartless have spread. Pretty far, my guy. Pretty far. We're gonna find out the hard way. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> uh, Yuffie urges us to uh, check out the shops, and might I say, especially the run, especially the one run by Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Ah, top notch. And I am sorry. My body keeps wanting to burp. I had Chinese food shortly before this recording. That was a very bad idea. But man, they did it taste good. Um, although it's I gotta say this, it's kinda wild that Huey, Dewey, and Lou are running the shop by themselves. But I mean, if we're going by the the lore, um, the timeline, how you know, how old are these ducks by now? Especially, you know, when when King Marts 1 first came out, you know, that was there was nothing else before King Marts 1. That was it. So you know, throwing Huey, doing Leeway in there was like, why not? They're Donald's, there's Donald's, uh, nephews, they, you know, they're Disney, put them in there, expand the world a little bit, um, kind of weird, Donald never, like, addresses what you guys doing here, at least I don't think they do, I have to look back, but I'm pretty sure Donald never really talks to them about anything, but, um, like I said, I could be wrong, I'll correct myself, um, later on about that, but, you know, once we got to BBS, um, a less confusing thing to do would have been not including them in uh, BBS but you know what do they do we, we find them in BBS and then it's like they did not look like they aged a day by the time we get to Kingdom Hearts 1 what in the world I looked it up ducks are fully grown in 30 days and I know that doesn't really matter because these are cartoon characters but 30 days Kingdom Hearts BBS and Kingdom Hearts 1, there's 10 years between the two. What? <laughs> were these guys just born in BBS? Like were they, were they like, were they? I don't know. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm just going too deep into this, but I mean they're 10. I mean, they uh, I looked it up and they are technically raised mainly by Donald and by some degree in Kingdom Hearts and in DuckTales uh Scrooge. And Usually, they're depicted between, tw- uh, 10 to, and, uh, between 10 and 12 years old, but, uh, I mean, they look that age in BBS., uh, I, I guess it's just another one of those they-don't-age situations. Anyway, uh, despite these ducks, that should be adults by now, <clears throat> Aerith also offers the trio a gift from all of them. Uh, they give you 500 money, which ain't bad. You can get something decent with it, uh, at least... One thing, I don't remember what, but, yeah, at least, you know, from, I believe, maybe a weapon or two? Or maybe some potions, some accessories, I don't know. But, if you beat Leon, Aerith mentions that he has an elixir from you. (laughs) Oh, how's that feel, buddy? And, uh, funny enough, while it's given to you, Leon turns his head. (laughs) You can hear his poor ego just... Ah, uh, just squealing in the background. Uh, I lost to a little kid. Ah, uh, I guess that's his way of saying, "Hey, sorry, I tried to, sorry, I, I tried to, you know, fight you with my my cool gunblade." It's interesting that his gunblade has a keychain with it. You know, kind of like how keyblades have. What's up with that? I guess it's probably just a style. But I always, as a kid, I always used to think, "Does he have a keyblade too?" And this is shaped differently because when you look at other keyblades, not all of them are not all of them look like keys. So it's like I don't know. I mean, when you when you look at especially in Kingdom Hearts uh, three, when you get Riku's Honda Civic key, it's like, dude, it's it's literally shaped like a car key. But then again, that's still a key, so whatever. I'm still mad they gave this dude. They gave my dude literally a Honda Civic key. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Give him back his road to, or give his give his give him back his way to Dawn Key, or give him uh, another version of that. I don't know. I mean, I I don't really dislike the Honda Civic key, but I'm like, come on, should have been something different. Uh, so either way. Uh, that, with that, we even get some more stuff. The gifting does not end, my friends, not yet. Donald teaches Sora his first ever spell fire yes we're firebenders well not quite I guess but you you can shoot fire out the keyblade now so uh, that's pretty dope that's pretty metal uh and then Goofy teaches us dodge roll I'm still mad it took us a final mix version of Kingdom Hearts 2 to get dodge roll and even then it's like halfway through the game and you gotta unlock it through a drive form which was cool, you know. It brought a little nostalgia, but and to be fair, we did have the um, the wisdom form kind of dash move, so that kind of compensated. But it just wasn't the same. I feel like your hitbox was worse in that dash than the dodge roll. But I yeah, well. Um, so from here, we can do more things in Traverse Town, from collecting postcards, getting some cool um uh some cool items from that uh doing some blue trinity marks which are really awesome i, I really miss the trinity marks and i re- i just really hope they bring those back because we have what is it the the blue white red green and yellow I believe I think there's just five and so far we just unlocked the blue where we all uh jump in unison which is pretty funny and it made me think as a kid, ooh, if I grab two other friends and jump in unison, cool things happen. No, nothing really crazy happens, unfortunately. Maybe I just didn't believe hard enough. shade hmm. Disney. Anyway, uh, yeah, they should definitely bring Trinity Marks back. They've compensated pretty well with their co- uh, collectibles over the years. Like Kingdom Hearts 2 had the crowns, which was really fun. And then Kingdom Hearts 3 had the... Uh, the emblems, so... Still fun. But, anyway. Uh I forgot to mention, too. Why in the world is Jiminy on the ground? And, like, social dista- <laughs> social distancing distance from Sora and them? Like, he mentions how he has a big task ahead of them, keeping track of all this in his journal. But I, I mentioned in the previous retrospective episode how Jiminy... Should have had more interaction in this game, too. And for some reason, here he is just like away from everybody talking to himself. What in the world? <laughs> ah, well, so we conclude this visit in Traverse Town with a visit to the third district and this mysterious door with an illustration of a flame on it, shooting it with said flame you just acquired will open it up with this cool little secret spot that's in a cave a house in the middle of a small lake with moving rocks to get across and man these things can be annoying to move sometimes especially if you miss one you have to swim all the way back and start again uh, i do like too the view of the of the cave how everything you hear the echo um of the water and the swooshing of the water and if you look at up above you can see the outside like there's a there's a hole going out so i thought that was actually a nice touch and when you look at the house, even from um, the entrance, it looks run down. You see, it's, it's in need of some, and it's in need of some uh, repair. There's holes, there's some boarded up spots and whatnot. I mean, shoot, when you get up to the house, you got to enter through the side. But what's in that house, I wonder? Well, we will have to find out next time on the retrospective. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This was actually one of the most fun I had writing. Um, And this is actually another reason why I really wanted to go back to doing more detailed outlines of these episodes just to make sure I don't miss a beat with everything. And while going off the top of my head was fun, I like I said, I just don't want to miss a beat. I don't want to forget anything. So here you go. Um but yeah, I would love to hear what you guys thought about this episode. Um what type of discussions you would like to hear in f- in the future regarding um the retrospective or the in-between Kingdom Hearts episodes. Uh let me know if you have any ideas for- of any more what ifs you like to see and we'll go from there. But ah uh, it's the curtain call. The door to Kingdom Hearts is closing for now, but never forget There may be darkness in every heart, but Kingdom Hearts is light. So until next time, don't forget, this is your Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) Oh no, I messed up the outro. Oh, that sucks. All right, so I was trying to go off the top of my head there because I I forgot how to do this outro because I'm still working on uh, different tweaks for it. But what I'll just say is Until next time, don't forget to come open your heart. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) That didn't sound right still. Uh, I'll fix it next week. Laters.